Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. We are through the first two rounds of Wimbledon. Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic both through. I feel like normally at this time, we it, this is the part where I say they haven't dropped a set. Uh, that's not true this time. Uh, Novak uh, went four sets in his first round. Nadal has gone four sets in both of his matches. Uh, but let's start with Djokovic, the number one seed at the top of the draw, and then we will go to Nadal. It was a, a weird performance to me against Sun Wukwan, but never really in danger of uh, of losing the match at any point. And then it it was quite the performance, very clean against Tanasi Kokonakis, uh, and it was never competitive at, at any point. Two matches down, Amy, what are your thoughts on, on Djokovic? I'm really encouraged by the Kokonakis match. I thought he served beautifully. He speeds were good on his serves. Um, placement was good. He put a high percentage of first serve in. He won a high percentage of second serve points. The match was never in doubt. He returned exceptionally. I mean, he a lot of depth on his return. He looked like the he was grooving the the Novak that we know showed up to that match. So I'm very encouraged. I agree. It was a strong, strong effort. And uh, Kokonakis, you know, we were a little intrigued because this is a guy who's at least starting to begin to have his pro career. 26 years old. So he's nine years younger than Novak. He looked about nine years older in his movement in that match. I mean, repeatedly, Novak was just controlling the rallies in the way that he does. And it's a little different than the way Nadal does, but it's his way. And it was so precise, so much accuracy. And I think you're right, Amy, the return to serve was really kind of a, a tipping point shot in this because that pretty much put Kokonakis on his heels instantly in so many rallies. And again, very impressive. So often the case on grass, it's such a server surface and uh, a lot of players like Kokonakis have success on the surface because of that. Uh, not saying him specifically, but in general, and then you, you come up against Novak and you, uh, you have to play behind your serve. You don't get all the free points that you're used to getting on the surface. I don't want to be negative here, but this is what I've found most interesting uh, about Novak um, through, through two rounds. I mean, Kokonakis, he was having so much success from start to finish. And it was such an amazing performance that, that this observation that I have was kind of irrelevant in the second round, but in the first round, there were struggles. He did seem flat. He was struggling with his level and we didn't get anything in the form of emotion or frustration or fire. He didn't get excited when he won. He didn't get upset when he lost. It, it was just, it was just flat. And after Goran Ivanisevich, after the Nadal quarterfinal in Paris, basically said, I was really upset with Novak's body language. And it's something that Amy, you pointed out 
immediately after um, on, on our show. It's something that talking to, to Steve Flink, it was one of the first things that he said, like we saw it again, kind of against, against Quan. And I don't really know what to make of it. I, I found it a little bit strange and surprising. I am not too concerned. It's interesting that you say that and I'm hearing you and, and it's legit and valid, but for whatever reason, I'm not concerned because these guys are just getting their bearings on grass on the surface and certainly dropping a set does not concern me. It's a quick turnaround and also the emotional component doesn't bother me as much because you have to pace yourself. And if he's um, not looking super fiery or fired up or whatever, um, it doesn't concern me at all. I, I thought his body language was great in the Tanasi match. So, um, but also just any negative body language. I think um, if you come out of that first round match in one piece and you haven't slipped on the fresh grass and you haven't pulled anything, and you're, you're pretty even keel throughout, I think you've done a good job. Yeah, coaches are funny. I think coaches sometimes they act as uh, press secretaries, attaches on behalf of their player. <clears throat> and, and Goran has had his share of moments. Of course, it's one thing to say this in the wake of an Adal match, which is an inherent epic, high stakes, slam kind of match. The first two rounds, it's funny how when you said flat, now there's flat and there's also business. And I think to Novak, I think, yeah, first two rounds, it's about briskly getting through efficiently, good footwork, good body work. Because in a way, in a way, I think also when you're playing on grass, I don't want to get too emotive because I don't want to lose track of where my feet and my body are because the slip factor is significant. So I think you just want to be like first do no harm to myself. And these matches, you know, neither of these matches warranted any any drama of the kind of late stage in a set. I come up with this big shot, it's five all, and here's the pump and the crowd. And, and that's not even where it's at with the Wimbledon vibe in the first couple of rounds. So I think it was very much business-like for Novak. Different, different when we get to Nadal. We'll cover that when we talk about Rafa. Okay, yes, a, a completely different vibe with, with Rafa. There's no doubt about that. Um, okay, so look, I'm not concerned about it either. I thought it was strange. Um, it was, it's kind of really where I land on it, uh, just because there is no reaction to anything uh, at any point during the Quan match. And then Kokonakis, look, when you're blowing someone out, it's actually polite to just stay calm. Uh, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, I will say this about the, uh, about the, the look in the, I think also I wonder if Novak, look, he's come here, didn't play Australia, lost earlier than he desired in Paris. So maybe he just wants to stay tranquil throughout this and not create any of these waves of any emotion and be as businesslike as possible. And that's what's allowed him to win here six times and not be, I mean, there've been other years where he's been less a favorite and there's a tension on Roger and Ruffin, what are they going to do? And there's Andy Murray and Novak, you know, Novak is kind of, what do you say about a guy who's uh, whose second best slam is winning Wimbledon six times? Pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah. He's been more open about the Australia thing recently. So that, that's what came to mind, Joel, when you just said that. Well, uh, there's about, a... about how much that, that's affected him this year and, and how he didn't really acknowledge initially the emotional scarring that that entire experience had 
but he said that, you know, coming to terms with that has been a process. And it's so healthy. Go ahead, Joel. There's also this look down the road, there's the US Open. And as of now, he would not be allowed in the US Open. There was this interesting dialogue, dialogue that's going on. Uh, US resident Tennis Sandgren, who's not vaccinated, he could play the US Open. And there's been some dialogue around that. So that's kind of intriguing. That's creating kind of a whole, you know, dialogue commentary. And so I think Novak, let me, I just, I'm gonna play tennis now. Try to do that and say these things. He did say some things, but I think inside the lines, he wants to just keep it as subdued as possible. I really admire Novak for coming out about that and saying that I underestimated how rough that whole process was on me emotionally and how much it took a a toll. It's completely understandable. But in this environment where we're talking more about mental health, that the number one player in the world comes out and and says, you know, look, I'm struggling mentally, emotionally with um, some of the things that are going on in my life. I really admire that. And I think we should have more of that. Um, Nadal and and Federer, um, they're a little more uh, close to the vest with their emotions and, and that kind of thing. So I thought that was really great. I'd love to see more of it. And I hope that uh, Djokovic is working his way through all that. And, and by the looks of this last match against Tanasi, I think he might be. Next round is, uh, is Mimir Ketsmanovic, who has been a part of, of Novak's season, both directly and indirectly, uh, taking his, his place in the draw at the Australian Open when uh, Djokovic was forced to to withdraw. I don't even know what word to use. I'm going to say forced to withdraw. Um, and then they play in Belgrade, and they played a, a really excellent three-setter where Djokovic dropped the first set but came back uh, to win the next two. So uh, the head-to-head, also, they, they met in Belgrade the year prior. It's it's 2-0. Uh, we, we have talked before about Ketsmanovic's excellent season. I think uh, he's clashed with uh with nadal as well um so what do you make of this matchup joel i think it's going to be a little more of a sterner test for novak the classic now he's in the third round now he's getting to the thick of the tournament and there are going to be some a lot of interesting rallies it's very much the the contemporary wimbledon and these guys are going to settle in and they're going to go at it and there's going to be some good movement and some problem solving that novak's going to do i um I think Novak's going to look to make his way to net. He's been doing that more in recent years, and not that he's going to become Patrick Rafter, but he's going to um, assert things some. And I think there will be a lot of – I'm looking forward to that match. I think there will be a lot of nice points. I'm wondering if Ketsmanovic is emerging as a more fast-court type player because he's pretty young, so we're still – figuring out who he is but he had the good run in Australia he played well at Indian Wells he did not I saw him at the French Open in person I saw him play uh, Medvedev and he got his butt kicked I mean it was really ugly and uh, and so far so good at Wimbledon so their since their previous two meetings were on clay It'll be interesting to see how the change in surface works out for Ketsmanovic. He's a good player. He's got a lot of energy, uh, good mover, good serve. Uh, I, I would think this would be a tougher test. 
I'm not sure. Now, first of all, let me respond to the surface thing. Uh, yeah. Because I do have the numbers. So he's like dead even on on all three surfaces, obviously with okay. hardcore being a, a bigger sample size. But win percentage is 51% on hard, 53% on clay, 50% on grass. N- negligible. Uh, I think it's all been the same. But he is a player who does like to play on the rise. So I... Uh, I would almost think that hardcourt long-term might be the surface where I like him best just because the bounce is the truest. Uh, that's just a, a pet theory that, that I have about him. Uh, but I do kind of look at him as a Djokovic light in a way where uh, it is one of those matchups where you struggle to find something that he does better than Novak. Whereas there are some players in the draw who, who might serve bigger than Djokovic or, or might be a player like RBA who Djokovic doesn't have the normal rally tolerance advantage, right? J- just as a couple of, of examples, uh, Ketsmanovic feels like uh, a Djokovic light, similar to like the Nishikori prototype. Did we have this conversation about Borna Koric once? I mean, it's kind of makes me think of that too, right? Of the Because Novak plays the way contemporary tennis is mostly played, and that's more so for him than Rafa or Roger. And you're right. And I think you're right. Nisha Kapoori, David Goffan. It's like, okay, guy, you, you want to you wanna out two-hand backhand me? Is that what you want to do? So in a way, if you're, you got to think, well, how, how do I actually disrupt Novak? Otherwise, he does what I do better. And then you're just kind of, oh, my, what do I do here? So the innovation index is intriguing in this matchup. Like I said, there'll be good rallies, but doesn't mean I see an upset. I think I got put askew by that Medvedev Katsmanovich match because and and one match does not a player define right sure. but Medvedev was supposed to be weak on clay and Katsmanovich being such a great mover I, I had high hopes for that match Me and too. it was it was a thorough beat down um but again that that could be an outlier or you know we don't know I I Katsmanovich is still so young. He's in this group with Alcaraz um, and Runa, where I think their styles of play are still emerging. I also think the flat hitters are not the ones that give Medvedev problems on clay. The flatter guys who hit more through the court. I think, for example, if you gave Medvedev a choice, I think he'd rather play Novak on clay than say Rafa. Or play. That's I mean, everybody, right? Yeah, that's everybody. That's but I just mean, I just think he'd, he'd fare far better in far more rallies, win or lose, because of the, the ball moving through the court than the jumping. And I think the thing for Medvedev that becomes undone on clay is when you when you get the ball, let's say, high to his forehand and, and vary to his forehand, because now he has less energy from the court to work with. Whereas, um, but yeah, these these results and these, it's, it's so interesting how these scores, things reveal these things. I think if Novak could clone himself, he'd rather play himself than Rafa on clay. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. yeah think I, about that, Gil. Yeah. Do the math. <laughs> That's good, Amy. <laughs> that, that was good thinking. <laughs> um, Ketsmanovich, three and nine in his career against the top 10. He, he beat Berrettini at Indian Wells and he beat Felix in Miami. So um, looking for that fourth career top 10 win. Let's move on to Nadal. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dare I say, uh, more dramatic through two rounds than Djokovic. That's not a not a bold take. Uh, Sarundalo, for a large portion of their first round match, was looking like the better player throughout the third set. And then much of the second set, he had Nadal under a lot of pressure. Um, the, the fourth set. Rafa kind of stormed back very late in the fourth set, completely ran through the finish line. And uh, then it was a similar match script against Ricardus Barankis, where it was a, a struggle a little bit throughout. I think late in the sets, Nadal pulled away in the first and the second. Uh, Barankis did win the third set, just like Sarundalo won the third set. And then in the fourth set, it was Nadal's best uh, against Barankis. And similarly, it was very much like lots of momentum at the end of the match. Nadal storms through the the finish line to say the exact same thing again. Um, who did I go to first on on Djokovic? I went to Amy. Joel, what do you think of uh, Nadal's first two matches? You know, that's like Nadal and the fighting and the up and the down and the being tested by an opponent. I think I think opponents know nothing better than their very less that the very best is necessary for Nadal. That's true with Novak. That's true with Roger. That's true. With, but in a way, there's something there's something that Nadal triggers the arena like. Thing. You know you've competed. You're dissected by Novak. You're carved up by Roger, but you're competing with Rafa. And so, because if you don't, if you're not going to compete, you're not going to have any chance. So you got to kind of really push yourself. And these guys do. And then I also wonder, Rafa, I don't know what where things are at with the foot. Where is things are at? That's the big question. Where it's at? Don't we assume it's fine? Like if if he's not showing any pain or I yeah we 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 told that and he'll say that it's fine but we don't know we don't know i mean uh pete sampras won wimbledon one year pretty much on one leg in the year 2000 and he wasn't saying things you know he wasn't we don't know what he's revealing i don't i mean i'm just crossing my fingers for nazal staying healthy every so often i'll look at his face because i mean the these players their face reveals so much there's there's hardly anyone out there that is a true true poker face Karatsev. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Good call. Um, looking for any hint of pain because you could really see the moments over the course of the past year when he's been in pain. And I can't really say that I see that yet. He's still like has that spring in his step. He's still now, does he have moments where he looks annoyed or bothered with himself? But look, Nadal hasn't really played on grass for what three years or something. 
That's right. He, he deserves a little bit of a curve here. I'm not really seeing like I'm getting text saying what's wrong with Rafa. Folks, he's winning. He's winning. He hasn't played on grass in a long time. He's Rafa Nadal. He just like the previous tournament, Roland Garros, he's using his defense and his wits and his flicks and his net play. I think he's looked really good. Um, I think the headline of, of this Wimbledon, and I meant to bring this up at the top of the show, is how the seas have parted for the big three, as usual. Out of the tournament, the Russians, which we knew, Medvedev, Rublev, Hatchinov, Opelka's out, a big server, Rude is out, Dimitrov's out, Herkoch is out, Berrettini's out, Shapovalov's out, RBA, FAA, Runa, and Chilich. I mean, it's like seeds just getting out of the way and making the draw easier and easier. I don't even know why we did the draw show, to be honest. Um, so I, I'm really, yeah, like what? Um, so to be honest, I'm I'm really um, bullish and and pleased with the way that Rafa has looked so far. The ocean. Right. So it's not just a sea; it's an ocean. I mean, that was a. You rattle off names. I mean, I wrote it down. I cheated. I didn't do it off the top of my head because people begin on getting on me for my slow talk. So I, I guys, the the semi the semifinals, and and let's make sure to get back to to Nadal in a moment. The semifinal on the top half. uh, So it would be what was formerly Rude's quarter, but de facto, I think everybody expected Hercotch to get out of there. Yeah, it's going to be like Cam Nori, Tiafo. Uh, Tommy Paul, like these are the contenders to, to someone like that's going to make it out of the quarter. Well, and also just I think, yeah, of last year's semifinalists, three are gone, right? The, and the uh, three of the four are gone. There's only one quarter finalist left. So I, I feel the one I feel worst for, I have to say, because I like him so much and I we fancy his chances, Berrettini. That's unfortunate. COVID. Well, and and FAA, I mean, that one I feel, and we talked about that match, um, how that was going to be really testy. And that guy, Cressy, and you said it, Gil, that guy's got attitude till the cows come home. And that guy, Cressy, knocked him off. Um, I need to go back and look at highlights of that match and see how that happened. He was was awesome, Cressy. Okay, but Amy, what it's true. Everyone's like, what's wrong with Nadal right now? So stop. No, everyone is not what's wrong with Nadal right now. Yes, Except yes. For me. I Except think for there's me, a yeah. lot of I'm not, but but, but okay, we, okay, we, okay. I agree. I agree. I'm everyone. with you. Some I'm people, with you. Okay, fine. I was exaggerating. Yeah. Be careful. <laughs> okay. Uh many are concerned about the fact that Nadal went four sets with Sarundalo and 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 Barankis and our will like us to answer the question, are we concerned? Look, I don't think that Nadal has been good. I don't. I don't think the level has been there. The forehand was really bad today. Uh, I mean, compared to what it normally is, really bad. And, and that's a problem. But the goal is to win. Mm-hmm. It's the first week of Wimbledon. Rafa hasn't played on grass in three years. He missed some training in this already short lead up because of the foot ablation. Plus, even in his prime, these were a tricky couple of rounds for him traditionally at Wimbledon previously. So if you win, that's success, period. Yes. 
Agreed. Well, see, yeah, and I don't, you know, yeah, I'm concerned because of the prior foot stuff. I, I don't, I don't talk about Nadal as an advocate on behalf of Nadal or an enemy of Nadal. I talk about Nadal as an analyst of trying to understand where the where the game is going. And that's, by the way, why I always take issue when everyone, because I'm someone. Like I, that's what Uncle Tony says too. You know, everybody is someone. That's what Uncle Tony taught Rafa. And so I want to just, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm concerned because Rafa is 36 years old and had a injury. That doesn't mean, I mean, we'll see how it goes. And that's a great point you make, Gil, about how even in his best Wimbledon years, Nadal rarely ran through his early rounds. There are going to be questions. He's, he's coming off the arduous clay court season. They're the type of players stylistically, the Gilles Mullers, the um, slashers, who are going to just take their shot at him and make it tough for him. So, yeah. So, but here he is. He's in the third round. And Gasquet won today. So, you know, that's that's kind of fun. I like seeing that because he's almost at the end. Um, but also left in Rafa's quarter, they would meet in the quarterfinals. Don't forget uh, Taylor Fritz. Give a shout out to him. I know you mentioned Tiafo and some other Americans, Gil. Um, remember Fritz beat Rafa at Indian Wells for the championship this year. So that could be an interesting potential quarter. And you got Kyrgios and Tsitsipas. And... Mm -hmm. right. That would be, a, yeah, they would be semifinalists potentially. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to play in the third round. Yeah, Fritz is, is the one that nobody's really talking about, I, I don't think, enough, um, except Joel, who yeah, is talking about, about him. wrote about him this morning, yeah. I mean, again, yeah. Oh, good. The one who won Eastbourne, who has had remarkable Taylor Fritz last two years, he's had a spring that's almost made it impossible to think of playing Wimbledon. And then he did last year. He had an injury uh, within three weeks. He was back at Wimbledon this, this April for a while, his left foot was in a boot. They had some tendonitis, but he won Eastbourne. So he's a dangerous, and he's the kind of player who reminds me years ago, there was an American Robert Kendrick had a two sets to love lead on the Dow at Wimbledon, you know, big, bold American, big serve, big forehand. But again, that's a little down the road and the Dow in the next round, it's, it's Senega. So mm -hmm. that's pretty, that should be fairly comfortable. I think mm -hmm. who, who uh, Roger beat at Wimbledon last year. I remember that match. Right. Senego's hit 88 winners in two matches. He beat Kudla in five sets. And then he beat uh, one of my favorite drop shot artists, Gaston in the second rounds. But I think that's a fairly, I think that's a fairly Rafa friendly style matchup. What do you guys think? I agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Senego. Senego's a forehand guy. He's not a backhand guy. And yeah. I think we saw today with Barankis once again that, you know, when Nadal is not playing confidently off of his forehand and he's up against a strong offensive backhand, and I think Barankis's best shot is probably his backhand down the line. Uh, it can it can really do a lot of damage against Nadal, but Senego really wants to hit serves and forehands well, right and you've mentioned Barankas you talk about earlier about the uh, the Novak lights you know the Nishikori's the um the Borna Korich's and Barankas kind of fits that kind of model and he played he, he handed to him that was a pretty good that was a pretty good effort today but um yeah then Nadal at per usual found a way to kind of storm back and keep it from going into five sets I, I just noticed from the matches so far with regard to Nadal, a lot of errors seem to be coming 
off the forehand wing um, with a ball that's really deep. So um, if Sonego, is it Sonego or Sonego? It's one where you'll hear it both ways, but I'm pretty sure the right way is Sonego. Okay, Sonego. If he is able to get good depth on his forehand, maybe. But if Rafa wants to concentrate on the guy's backhand, he plays those patterns with such ease. Um, and he's been coming forward and play and volleying brilliantly really this entire year. So I, I've just been struck by how well players do when they move forward. And that's both the men and the women. And uh, certainly Nadal is comfortable doing that. I don't know if this Italian is. Yeah, and, uh, and Wimbledon's a great place to do it. I mean, you see how much I, I said this years ago when Nadal reached his first or second final, he's kind of embraced his inner John McEnroe. The sliced backhand, Caleb's servant volley, Lots of drop volleys. I mean, Adele, the contemporary volley now is the short volley. It used to be the stick the volley deep into the backhand corner. Now the thing to do is hit the, the, the great approach shot and then hit the short volley into the other part of the court. Keep that in mind, Gil, the next time you kick my butt when we play tennis. <laughs> well, I think it's, you see the uh, two volley combo. Ash Barty was a master at this. First volley deep, second volley angle short. That's, that's an approach. classic that's, combo. But I think that's less, um, I think that's less Rafa's approach. I think Rafa's approach is the big approach shot that puts you, you need a bus to get back to the court. You hit your passing shot and then he hits a fairly short volley. Mm -hmm. And there you go. Yeah. So, he doesn't like to waste time with the deep one right to the <laughs> dropper. Uh, I love, I love Andy Roddick. I think he's great. Um, and he tweeted yeah. something that I mostly agree with, which is that Nadal's an incredible volleyer. Here's the one part of that tweet that I didn't agree with. He said that nobody talks about it. Everybody has been talking about it for like 10 years now. I mean, it's like, can we stop the, the Nadal's volleys are underrated notion needs to go away forever. They are rated very, very highly and correctly. So, well, the whole thing, as I said earlier, the nobody, the everybody, the people are, all these things. This is the this is a bit of a, of a of a work hazard of working in media where he's saying these things. No one's talking about that. Well, no, excuse me. You know, and I just think I think sometimes the social media world makes things a little tempting for anyone, even an, a Hall of Fame tennis player, to say that. You're right. People have been well aware. I mean, remember, Nadal reached his first Wimbledon final 16 years ago. 16 years ago where you how, how old are you then gil six seven you know six it's a long yes. time ago long time. so it's like the this underrating has a long time underrating by whom so i agree i think nadal and boy does he have and how about that overhead i mean don't ever lob to nadal i mean backhand or the forehand he's got them both which fascinates yeah. me nobody has a backhand overhead but maybe because he's technically right-handed I don't know. He, he can Practice. do anything. Fetters Fetters yeah. is, I think, a little better. Backhand yeah. overhead. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. Where it's where it's the ballet one where you just touch it and you can control where it goes, or it's the actual smash. I think Federer can can also have the nice little hard flick of the wrist. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're both, they're both excellent at that shot. And th by yeah. the way, I think, I think that shot should be practiced. My, I trained that shot and I think it shouldn't be ignored. It's important. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I want to end on like this very direct question. 
so has the first two matches from Nadal or Djokovic, Joel, changed your calculus or expectations for either Rafa or Novak? Not for Novak, a, millis- a, a, a millimeter, maybe a smidge for Rafa. I mean, in other words, we're, we have them one and two seeds. And so the thinking is that they are supposed to reach the finals. And Novak has just been pretty much like that first set in that set he lost in his first round match, did nothing. And then he continued and look how well he played in the second round. So nothing discouraged him from seeing Novak on a good path. Rafa, little more of a concern about his health and overall, not just fitness, but his tennis precision. I'm the opposite. I, I'm more encouraged after seeing Rafa, um, especially since I know that the draw has gotten easier for him and that the foot hasn't seemed to bother him too much in the first two matches. So now I'm like, oh, well, he's Nadal. He'll get it together. He'll figure it out. Okay. Three little bears. I'm in the middle. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it's fine. I, again, I thought uh, a win is a win hasn't looked good in my opinion, in terms of level, but I don't think it matters. So I'm just going to be flat and straight. And then with Novak, uh, I would say same thing, uh, pretty much exactly, exactly level with how I started the tournament. Um, so there you have it. All right. Djokovic once again, taking on Ketsmanovic, Nadal taking on Sanego two very, I think, Classic third-round opponents. A little interesting. Nothing crazy. Third round. That's how it is. Uh, We will continue our coverage on three. Excited to uh, get back together for uh, whatever comes next. That'll do it for this episode. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. We appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you next time on the next episode of 3.